0: Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Well, will you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 8? We're going to look at a dad named Jairus. Most of you know our youngest son, Paul. There he is right there. Paul and Lindsay live in Jacksonville where he works with Community First Credit Union and uh, Lindsay is a nurse practitioner. On April the 25th God gave them a little girl. Her name is Emerson Aree, <clears throat> like Marie without the M. That was her great-grandmother's name. Emerson Aree. and she could not be any sweeter or more of a blessing to all of us. She's just Uh, I can hardly stand it that I can't just reach out and grab her every single day. Now for Paul, this has brought on a whole new side of who he is. Um, Paul changes diapers, and uh, he changes all brands of diapers, which is amazing to me. I I only had one brand of diaper that I would uh, change only when I got caught in a pinch, and no one else was around to do it, uh, the other brand of diaper i didn't the brand of diaper I they were number one diapers, and uh, <clears throat> that was the only brand that I would change. He holds uh, Emerson when she cries, he pushes her in the carriage, and uh, <clears throat> we are so pleased that is his mom and I <clears throat> to see this side of, of uh, who he is. He and Lindsay are <clears throat> and will be great parents. As Emerson gets older, there'll be sweet moments, more sweet moments than, <clears throat> than that. Then they will give away to some challenging moments. There's no question about that. <clears throat> and there'll be some wonderful moments of joy, but there'll also be some, some gray hair. My grandson Bradford is sitting over here and Bradford tells me that I have gray hair because of worryation. He said, "Pops, you have too much worryation. That's why you have gray hair." And I'm sure that uh, that uh, Paul is going to get his share of worryation. Here's an example of how worryation comes to dads. I may have used this before. It's so good it should be used every year. A father passed by his son's bedroom and was astonished to see the bed nicely made up and everything was neat and tidy. He saw an envelope propped up on the pillow and it was addressed simply, Dad. Well, with the worst premonition, he opened the envelope and he read the letter with trembling hands. Here's what it said. Dear Dad, I'm sorry to be writing this to you But I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I have real passion with Joan, and she is so nice. I knew that you would not approve of her because of her piercings, her tattoos, her tight motorcycle clothes, and the fact that she's much older than me. It's not just her passion, Dad. She really gets me. Joan says that we're going to be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods. And she has a stack of firewood enough for the whole winter. We dream of having many children together. Please don't worry, Dad. I'm 15. And I know how to take care of myself. I'm sure that we'll be back to visit someday so you can get to know your grandchildren your son, Chad. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the report card that's in my desk drawer. I love you, Dad call when it's safe for me to come home. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> today we're going to look at a father who had a, a serious reason for worryation, as Bradford says. He had a little girl who had become very sick. And he was an important man, but before anything else, he was a husband and he was a daddy. He was a father. To this little girl. This is the story of a dad named Jairus. Luke chapter 8 and verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for <clears throat> he had on- an only daughter about 12 years of age she was dying as jesus went the people pressed around him let's stop right there we'll take it up in a moment the fact that a ruler of the synagogue would come to jesus showed that people were beginning to acknowledge who jesus might very well be they thought indeed that he could be maybe if not the messiah their their ruling king, they knew that he was someone important. And a ruler of the synagogue coming to Jesus was a big thing. A synagogue ruler was the person who was in charge of the synagogue services. And he was responsible to maintain the buildings and to clean the buildings, clean the synagogue, and hire all of those people and do all of those things. In today's world, he would be the COO, the chief operating officer of the synagogue. Jairus was an important man. He was visible in the community. He was one who was tied closely to Jewish worship. However, today he's just a daddy trying to find some help for his little girl. We start with this, a father's feeling. <clears throat> How do dads feel? You know, life has a way of resetting itself, doesn't it? We are burdened with the stuff of life <clears throat> until reality comes and faces off with us. We can be really important. We can be really busy. We can be about this or that or the other. and Then the, the really important thing comes. When our health is threatened, <clears throat> or a loved one is, is lost in our family to death, or when our circle of friends is challenged, <clears throat> it seems the whole world stops spinning. For Ron Bishop's family and for those who are even closer to Ron than we are, <clears throat> their world has stopped spinning for a time. And they are only left, and we are only left with our feelings and our our dealings. And that's the way it was with Jairus. Jairus was alone with his feelings. I want to give you three distinct feelings that he went through. I'm certain there were more than these, but we know of these. First of all, he was heartbroken. Absolutely heartbroken. It doesn't take much to imagine that how heartbroken he was over the the pending um, death of his child there's no sickness like that of our children it would be much better for us to be sick than for our child to be sick we would rather have the headache than our child have the headache we would rather have the broken arm than our child have the broken arm Our children never understand that. They never understand it. Even after they become parents, they still don't really understand that we hurt more for them than we would for ourselves in their circumstances. Here's a man who was just absolutely heartbroken. Not only was he heartbroken, but he was helpless. Uh, His helplessness was visible. The Bible says that he fell at Jesus' feet and he begged him, he implored him to come to his house. If you're a dad who normally fixes things, and most dads normally do, if you try to make life better for those people that look up to you, if you try to make life better for your children, if you try to make life better for your family, if you try to help your family worked through the hard things in life. You know how Jarris felt. He was able to, when he was able to do nothing for his daughter. Last night I was <clears throat> talking with a friend of mine, with Ronnie Williams. Ronnie Williams has a <clears throat> lot of experience in uh, the credit union industry. He is not in a credit union, but he <clears throat> sells products to credit unions insurances and coverages and various things like that through cuna mutual and my son paul that you saw earlier just was promoted to uh jim to a branch uh, manager in uh in mandarin so he's really excited about that and and he'll be starting that in a few days and so there were some things that ronnie was sharing with me about the way that credit unions work and i'm sure that I'm sure that Paul knows all of this, but I said, can you make sure that Paul knows how these things work? Because that's real important for him to know. Now, that was just a dad talking, Ronnie. That was all that was. He's going to learn all of that, and he's going to get all of that, and he's going to be fine in all of that, but that doesn't stop me from saying, be careful when he drives out of the driveway. That's the way dads are. We like to to fix things when we can. We like to make it better. It's what we do, Joel, isn't it? We just, we try <clears throat> to make it better when we can. But boy, when we're helpless, when we're, there's nothing <clears throat> like being helpless. It's ominous to rest all of our, our hopes on someone else because we're just helpless. But we do that a lot in life for ourselves when we don't want to do that for our children. Wednesday afternoon, <clears throat> I was in the Charlotte airport, ready to fly from Charlotte back to Tallahassee. And <clears throat> there was a, uh, the, the gate was shut down. We, I was flying a plane that was smaller. It was a jet, but it was a smaller jet. And, and you had to walk out on the uh, tarmac to to get onto the plane. And so uh, they shut the gate down because there was lightning in the area. Kind of like we do with a football game or a baseball game, and have that lightning indicator and <clears throat> you see it within a certain range and you shut the game down because of lightning in the area. Well, there was lightning in the area. Now those of us in there, we thought, that's nothing. It's not even drizzling out there. It's okay. And so <clears throat> the lightning scare went away, and this little couple, I, I judged them, and <clears throat> I made a judgment call. I judged them to be from either India or Pakistan. And they were a, a little couple. They were very, very small. They appeared to be maybe my age, and, and <clears throat> they opened the gate, and they were the first ones to get up. They wanted to get out on that airplane because they didn't speak English very well, and they didn't want to be left behind. And so they got on that airplane, the the plane came down, the the stairs were there, and they got up on the airplane, and as soon as they stepped inside of that airplane, there was a bolt of lightning that hit right outside the window of where we were sitting, and it wasn't one of those, see the lightning, wait for the thunder, it was one of those, watch this, wham, type deals, just boom, scared them to death. Their last few steps were real quick up into the plane. And uh, <clears throat> then we sat there again. So we knew, and now the weather had moved in, and we knew that we were going to have to fly out in that weather. <clears throat> now, when it came time to get on that airplane, I did. I got on the plane completely helpless. I didn't know anything <clears throat> about the pilot I didn't know anything about the area. I didn't know who to call if there was a problem. I just got on an airplane and just trusted that the guy that was flying the thing knew what he was doing. I'm happy to report that he did. But we do that all of the time. After the service today, you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive home or to a restaurant or wherever it is that you may go and you are going to be helpless regarding the other people in the road around you and you're just going to have to trust that they're going to stay in their lane and they're not going to come over and take your life you just have to trust that and you can go on and on with that and we do that all the time and it seems easier for us to do that for ourselves than for our children Because we dads want to fix things. We dads want to make sure that everything is set just right. And there are no slip-ups and that nobody is going to inadvertently do harm to our child. But I'll tell you this, when you're in a desperate situation the way that Jairus was, even a helpless person... has to give it over to somebody else. Jairus was a man who was feeling heartbroken and helpless, but also a little bit hopeful. There was good reason for him to be hopeful too. Here's what he had seen. Jairus watched this with his eyes. Verse 42, he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jairus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years that's as long as the daughter had been living and <clears throat> though she had spent all of her living on physicians she could not be healed by anyone she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased jesus said who was it that touched me and when all denied it peter said master the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that Jesus was not hidden, uh, that, excuse me, saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace." Now, there's nothing like seeing firsthand what Jesus can do. There's nothing like it. I was uh, looking at something on my uh, counter today that, uh, oh, somebody claimed that this would help you lose weight, and so I bought a bottle of it and gained five pounds. I'm always looking for someone who's actually had the experience with something, you know? Have you actually <clears throat> had the experience with this? You personally. No, but I'll tell you what. I knew somebody who knew somebody who read online that this had happened. Okay, that's good enough for me. Let me order some. So I <clears throat> But I, I looked at that and, and I said, yeah, that stuff didn't work. But when you see it with your eyes, when you see it happening <clears throat> right in front of you, well that's a different thing and jesus saw or jairus saw this woman who had been ill for 12 years now granted it was a blood issue and i'm not exactly sure what it was but everybody seemed to know that she had been healed and he saw this with his very own eyes and and he said This this has got to be amazing. I've come to the right place. I'm heartbroken and I'm helpless. My child is at the point of death. But look what just happened here. I must be at the right place. And so for a moment, he was excited because here this one who was so close to him and so close to death had the opportunity to be healed. Well, that's all the father's feelings. But that very soon gave way to a father's fear. His hope <clears throat> temporarily dashed, getting back to the scene. Jairus is still with Jesus. He's still waiting and hoping for Jesus to go to his house with him. And Jesus <clears throat> was his last and his only hope. And from what happened next, we can assume that he was visibly anxious to get Jesus to his home. I can identify with Jairus. That was the kind of dad that I was. My, My sons will tell you that I was not a, I'll do it in a minute, kind of a dad. I was that dad that wanted it done right then. I wanted the problem fixed right now. I couldn't stand it. It's that, it's that. OCD thing inside of me that can't stand for a light to be out. And, and please don't look up because if there's a light out, then I'll have to look and, uh, and we'll have to stop the service and, uh, we'll have to get it fixed. And, you know, so it's that OCD thing inside of me. That's just, just compulsive. And it just had to be fixed right now. And, uh, I'll tell you this, I just really, really can identify with him because he had come and he was in a rush and he was impatient and I understand his impatience. I understand it because of the nature of the illness of his daughter and I understand it because I know me and I've got to get this fixed right now. And these people were pressing in, and what I would want to say is, could you folks just step back just a minute? I will have him back, but I've got to take him to my house. This is far more serious than you getting his autograph. Would you please let him go with me right now? That's just the kind of dad that I am. And I think probably Jairus was to that level of impatience. However, in the course of his impatience, he met with some horrifying news. Verse 49 While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Wow, your daughter is dead. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe she will be well. Now, I will tell you this I believe that for a period of time that was enough for him. Because whenever the real tragedy hits in our lives, there's a certain time of disbelief. Whenever somebody dies suddenly, or whenever somebody even dies after an extended illness, we'll say this I can't believe they're gone. I can't believe. They're not with us. So when he heard <clears throat> the word that the child was dead, I'm sure it was very difficult. But then <clears throat> when Jesus said, No, I uh, understand everything will be okay with her, then <clears throat> I'm certain that that disbelief kicked in just a little bit and said, Well, maybe everything's okay. <clears throat> maybe think every, everything will be fine. <clears throat> and pardon me. <clears throat> and then, sadly, the father's fears were concern- confirmed. Fear is an odd part of life. It occupies every part of us until it either goes away or is confirmed. If you have a serious fear going on in your life right now, you've been thinking about it the whole time that I've been preaching. And if you haven't been thinking about it the whole time, you come back to it two or three times during the course of the message. That's the way that it works. Or when it gets confirmed... It may go away because it is confirmed. I had a conversation with someone who has a gravely ill relative. Very, very ill. And here's what I said to this person. I said, I understand how difficult it is to deal with the potential of that illness. That illness is probably going to take this person's life. And I said, I, <clears throat> I know how hard it must be to deal with the potentiality of <clears throat> what's going on. And, and I've got to tell you this, that if indeed your loved one dies, there will be something inside of you <clears throat> that is relieved. Not that your loved one is dead, but that the thing that is taking your loved one is over. It's done. None of us want our loved ones to go away, but we want the disease that's tormenting their bodies to go away. And we live in those fears until they either go away or they're confirmed. This story is really very much like the story of the death of of Lazarus, when Mary and, and Martha were so disheartened that Jesus had not made it in time to prevent his death. But Mary and Martha were Mary and Martha. They were very good friends of Jesus. Jairus was the COO in the synagogue. He did not have that close relationship with Jesus. Yet he had a scenario that almost was identical to that of Lazarus. His child had already died. Martin Luther made this interesting observation on how God and the devil take opposite tactics in regard to fear. This is brilliant. Listen to this. The Lord allows us to become afraid first that he might relieve our fears and comfort us. The devil, on the other hand, first makes us feel secure in our pride and sins that we might later be overwhelmed with fear and despair. This is how fear played out for Jairus. He had great fears which Jesus allowed to develop. And he would take those fears and he would turn those fears into rejoicing. However, Jairus now had to come to another spot in his life. He had to come to the place of believing. For Jairus, a man who had uh, fears confirmed and, and all of that, he had to come to a place of being converted. Things had to change for him in order for him to have his fears go away i have a friend in this town his name is jerry Uh, jerry latimer some of you may know jerry latimer jerry latimer is a good good guy he's a very good friend of mine jerry uh, attends good shepherd catholic church and he's very involved over there and uh, his priest some of you know his priest. We have several Catholics in the uh, service today. I, actually, I refer to you, you come to church here, I refer to you as Bapalix. And so uh, uh, I hope you can enjoy the uh, designation. But, uh, <clears throat> but Father Foley is his, his priest over there at Good Shepherd. And I know uh, Father Foley. And so Jerry and I had this friend who died and was a member at Good Shepherd and so the funeral was going to be there and we were both going to attend but then Jerry couldn't attend and so I told Jerry I said I'm going to tell your priest that you're thinking of converting and uh, he said don't do that I said no I'm going to do that I'm going to tell the priest that you're thinking of converting and so I went to the funeral and those of you who know uh, the priest at Good Shepherd he's really a good guy And uh, after the funeral, I was walking out of the church, and I shook his hand, and he greeted me, and I said something about our friend Jerry, and uh, he's Irish, I think. He said, oh, I love Jerry. And I said, you know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Jerry is thinking of converting and becoming a Baptist. He said, well, that's a good thing. He said, everybody needs to be converted, and... uh, We had a good laugh, and and I went on. But he's right. Everybody needs to be converted. We all have to be converted from unbelieving to believing. We all have to be converted from our sins to his righteousness. We all have to come from a place of, of trusting our own righteousness to trusting Christ only and putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Everyone needs to be converted, and Jairus needed to be converted. Jairus needed to be changed. You say, but he had already come to Jesus. Yes, he had already come to Jesus, but the scenario wasn't over. Jesus said to Jairus, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. But there were still some fears. He still had not come to the real place of understanding that his daughter really would be well. And that's the last part of the message today, a father's faith. How did a father with such diverse feelings, who went through so many fears, how did he come to a place of of faith? The father of the child is face to face with a reality that his daughter is not ill, she's dead. She is dead. And the way this plays out is very interesting. Look at verse 51 of Luke chapter 8. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, Child, arise and her spirit returned and she got up at once and he directed that something should be given her to eat and her parents were amazed but he charged them to tell no one what had happened now you can see that Jairus is on an emotional roller coaster this dad is up and down and he's up and down and dads usually are the less emotional of the the family the the mother and the father usually the mother would be more emotional in my case I'm very emotional but usually the dads would be less emotional but I believe Jairus was was emotional in this and in the course of his faith he found himself wavering in fact many of them did everyone was weeping and mourning and the the indicated that there was maybe a crowd at Jairus house and only a few were able or allowed to go in this had to be a really really hard time how could he keep his hopes alive when the worst had come to pass his daughter is dead she is dead and like Lazarus Jairus daughter she wasn't a little bit dead she wasn't like the dead and princess bride mostly dead She was dead, completely dead. And in the room were allowed these people, Peter, James, John, Jesus, Jairus, and Jairus' wife and the little girl, and the mourning continued. And Jesus looked at them and he said, "'Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping.'" Now, I want to go back and read verse 53 to you. And they laughed at him knowing she was dead. They laughed at him. I looked for a deeper meaning. You know, we preachers, whenever something is in the Bible and it, does, it says something that we think surely doesn't say this, we go and look for some Greek meaning application something deeper that we can give you and so <clears throat> I did that very thing I said well they're in grief and so there must have been indicated a nervousness that somehow another <clears throat> responded in some kind of a uh, a nervous laughter but not really laughing <clears throat> No." Here's what I found in the original language of the Bible that laughter meant. When it says they laughed at him, it meant they laughed at him. They're in the room with the dead daughter, 12 years old. Jesus said, she's not dead, she's only sleeping, and they... turned their mourning into laughing at Jesus. I don't know how in the world they did that, but they did. But it would soon go away because from their wavering, this father finds himself watching again. He had already watched once as the woman with the issue of blood had been healed. Now he watches again, and Jesus takes the girl by the hand now can you imagine that? I know what death scenes are like. I know that that mothers and fathers kiss the face of their children. I know that they they rub their hands. I know that they pat them on the top of the head knowing that they're gone. They can't stop expressing their affection and they continue to express their affection and talking to the child and and daddy loves you sweetheart oh daddy loves you I watched my friend Bruce Peters when his little boy Joel died and, and Joel was in the casket. And, and I went in with Bruce the first time that he saw him. And Joel rubbed his hand down, uh, Bruce rubbed his hand down Joel's little argyle sweater that he was wearing in the casket. And he was saying to Joel, you're such a beautiful boy. You're so beautiful. Oh, Joel such a beautiful boy these parents are in the room with their child such a beautiful little girl we love you so much we don't want you to be gone we're so sorry you're gone i wish i could have been a better daddy wish i could have been a better mommy oh we love you baby Oh, baby girl, we love you. And Jairus watches Jesus reach over and take the hand of his little girl. And Jairus steps back and he looks. He took my little girl's hand. I was saying bye to her. He took my little girl's hand. Jesus said, Child, arise. <laughs> and she got up. <laughs> and the laughter turned to wondering. Wonderment, if you will. They were absolutely amazed. She got up. Jesus said, get her something to eat. I'm so encouraged of the priority of Jesus. Amen? I mean, this child had just been dead. He he didn't say, all right, now get all your hugging done. Somebody put on some praise music. You know what he said? Get her something to eat. I'm going to tell you something. Had... Had that been today, that child could have had anything she wanted. Whataburgers, crystals, anything she wanted, Twinkies, amen, anything. All Jesus said was get her something to eat. And they were in amazement. This message has been a story of one father's journey from fear to faith. And it's amazing what God could do in his family when he gave Jesus room to work. That's the key. He gave Jesus room to work. But first, he had to want Jesus to work in his family. And I think therein lies the question on this Father's Day. Dad, you're here today. Thank you for being here. I'm going to give you a mug because you came. Thanks for coming. But here's a question for you. Do you want God to work in your family? I want my child to be a success. I appreciate that. I want my sons to be successful. And they are. And I thank God for that. But do you want God to work in your family? All of us know what we want for our children and our grandchildren our relationship in the family, but do we want God to have his way in our families? Do we want God to do in the everyday what we want God to do in the emergency days? There's no question that when your child is ill, when your child is heartbroken, When times are difficult for your child, there's no question that you go to God and you say, God, I want you to have your way in my child's life. Please, Lord, please bring them through the illness. Please bring them back to center point. Please, Lord, please comfort them. Please remind them while they're straying. But then when they come back to center, do we still You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.